Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Eric Boll, Director of Public Affairs. This week we're going to do something a little different and talk with Spencer Tuma regarding the draft of the Farm Bill that has just been released by the House Agriculture Committee. So let's get started. Spencer Tuma is our Director of National Legislative Programs. And just last week we had the uh, new draft of the Farm Bill released that uh, by the House Agriculture Committee which is, uh, as everyone probably knows listening to this, a very uh, important issue for our, our members. We have it come out about every five years. It seems like it ke- keeps coming around more often because they uh, drag out the process mm-hmm. so long. But it was good to finally get that actual uh, bill text uh, submitted out, out of the committee uh, last week. And Spencer, appreciate you taking all of the time to read through it. I understand you actually went through the bill text and read it all yourself. I did, yes. So the bill, like you said, it's kind of been long anticipated. At least it's been long anticipated by those of us in the ag policy world. Uh, The bill text was released Thursday afternoon. It's about a 643-page bill. Um, I did go through it. Uh, I probably did not read it word for word because there's a lot of strike whatever and insert the next right. thing. So There's a lot um, of legalese in right. the 600-some-odd pages. So, so I could kind of skim over those parts, but um, have gone through the bill and tried to identify some of those issues that are important to Missouri Farm Bureau members. Uh, at this point, you know, it's probably important to tell people this is just the committee draft. I'm mm-hmm. sure that the final bill will look absolutely nothing like this bill by <laughs> the time we get it through the House, get it through the Senate, and then get it conference. So, uh, But I think it's a good starting point. And, and this is the House Agriculture Committee bill, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. And the Senate, uh, what is their approach to it? Sure. So um, we've talked about on previous episodes that the House Ag Committee has taken a little bit of a different approach in recent weeks. Uh, this has become, over the past couple of weeks, more of a partisan farm bill, I think, than most had originally anticipated. Mm-hmm. Chairman Mike Conaway, Ranking Member Colin Peterson, they had worked really well together on the bill. They were in lockstep until a couple of weeks ago when the minority party got the changes to the nutrition title that were proposed in the farm bill and they've pretty much locked down since then so um, the chairman uh, is planning to move the farm bill through committee with no democratic support which could spell trouble once it gets to the house floor it's a very risky move uh, but it's become very partisan in nature sure well let's go ahead and get into some of the specifics about what exactly you've seen in the bill Um, so the the bill is broken down into what is it 12 11 titles Uh this time um Title One is the one that we always talk about the most, which is uh, the most practically important to farmers, uh, row crop farmers especially, is the commodities title. Sure. Um, what do we see uh, in this draft for the commodities title in Title One? Sure. So as we've talked many times before, we truly believe that this is more of an evolutionary farm bill rather than a revolutionary farm bill. So mm-hmm. in the 2014 farm bill, we got rid of a lot of programs. We rewrote a lot of things. This farm bill looks very much like the 2014 farm Farm Bill in that they've continued a lot of those programs. So the Price Loss Coverage Program, PLC, for example, is continued. The ARC County Program is continued with the elimination of the ARC Individual Program. And it maintains those same reference prices for the PLC program and that same formula for the ARC program. So a lot of similarities as we move through there. One priority, of course, was to get cotton designated as an other oil seed as, to make it eligible for Title I programs. We're actually able to do that in the short-term budget agreement in February. This 
Farm Bill will continue that, so it stays in Title I. There's no additional changes that need to be made there. There are some changes made to the dairy program, which were also made uh, as part of that short-term budget agreement that are continued through this Farm Bill. But the dairy program is revamped a little more. It's renamed, uh, and it gives us some more flexibility for our dairy farmers to utilize the Dairy Risk Management Program, as it's now called, in conjunction with the Livestock Gross Margin Program, which previously you couldn't use one. You could only use one or the other. Mm -hmm. Now you can use them both together as long as it's not on the same production. Okay. Well, that ought to hopefully make a lot of our dairy uh, producers happy because they were definitely not happy with the way that the previous program was working because it wasn't working. It was not. No, absolutely not. And we hope that these changes, they were supported by Missouri Farm Bureau policy, and we hope they're going to be positive for our members. We think it gives them a little more flexibility. Sure. Very good. Well, uh, Title II then is uh, conservation. Mm-hmm. That's another huge one. It's, I, th- I think, about a third of the spending in the Farm Bill, um, or maybe a third of the part that's not in nutrition, mm-hmm. uh, comes through conservation. It's a, a huge portion of it. So what, what do we see changing there? Sure. So the biggest thing in conservation is that the current CRP, Conservation Reserve Program, acreage cap, is raised from 24 million acres to 29 million acres by the end of fiscal year 2023. It also made some changes that eliminate the conservation stewardship program and used some of those savings that were made from eliminating that program and merged them into the Environmental Quality Incentives Program, EQIP. So now EQIP would be funded, if this bill text were to go through, at about $7.5 billion, if my if I have my numbers right. So that's a significant plus up for that program, and I know that that program uh, has provided a lot of benefits for yeah. Missouri Farm Bureau members. So, um, so it's good to see that continued. Uh, but yes, conservation title, that was one we um, we anticipated there would be some big changes to. Um, there was also an effort in the bill to cap rental rates. So it raised the acreage cap to 29 million acres and then capped your rental, your CRP rental rate at 80% of the county average. Okay. Yeah, that's something we've heard a lot of mm-hmm. stuff about, especially as we've mentioned before from young farmers uh, who are looking uh, to get into Uh, some land, it's hard to compete against the government. Yes, Um, absolutely. That's something they were really looking forward to. Now, Missouri Farm Bureau policy does not support raising the current acreage cap, and neither does American Farm Bureau policy. I'm told that there is an effort within the House Ag Committee to bring that back again, down to $24 uh, But until the committee marks that up and amendments are offered, we won't know the status of that. Okay. And I also noticed that there is a proposed new program to uh, work on the eradication of feral hogs. That's right, yes. And that's another huge issue for Missouri, especially the southern half of Missouri. It is. So I know that there has been an effort ongoing in the state of Missouri through the Missouri Department of Conservation to work on feral hog, feral swine eradication. Uh, This farm bill version would authorize a feral hog eradication pilot program that would be administered partly by the Natural Resource Conservation Service and by the Animal and Plant Health Inspection. Service. So mm-hmm. NRCS and APHIS would work together uh, to implement strategies and help disperse some funding to, to address this problem Good. across yeah, the nation. A, a huge issue that needs some some comprehensive uh, work on it. It does, so not yes. So Good deal. Um, so skipping forward a couple of titles to Title VI is the Rural Infrastructure and Economic Development um, title. Uh, there were some, some issues in there, uh, some language in there relating to 
Broadband. Mm-hmm. What do we have in there? So we're wa- we've been watching broadband, of course, very closely. I think we probably talk about broadband about every episode yeah, on the podcast, more <laughs> or less. Um, what we're really looking for in the rural development title is the opportunity to set benchmarks for minimum broadband deployment speeds for government programs, loans, grants, that sort of thing. This farm bill actually does not set any minimum speeds for broadband deployment, which is a little bit concerning. Uh, But, you know, like I said, this is just the first draft. So um, it's not that it set a speed that was too low. It just didn't set one at all. And it gave the secretary authority to set it, secretary of agriculture, um, to set those minimum speeds. So we're going to be watching that closely. Um, I think there will probably be some efforts to put a minimum speed there into the farm bill. Okay. The um, there are several other uh, titles, but we'll just uh, focus on a couple of the issues in the miscellaneous title. Mm-hmm. Um, what what have you seen there that you think may catch people's attention? So I think the biggest thing that you know some Farm Bureau members have been watching, as well as a lot of livestock producers, is the creation of a national animal health vaccine bank. Mm-hmm. This farm bill actually would do that, and it would give priority to foot and mouth disease, which I know has been a huge topic of conversation. It's been a big worry because you know if there's an outbreak, it could really really wipe out the whole industry. Um, so this farm bill would establish that vaccine bank and then give money with priority to the foot and mouth disease vaccine development. Okay. And then also, uh, we've also seen some movement outside of the Farm Bill um, with the Trans-Pacific Partnership Mm -hmm. Trade Agreement, uh, mouthful as always. But um, President Trump, it sounds like, has been giving a little bit more life, breathing some life into that uh, when we thought it was dead. Where where do you think we're going with that? You're right. Well, we have had a lot going on in the ag policy world. Um, President Trump did state that he was open to reentering talks on the Trans-Pacific Partnership, or I believe it's now called the CPTPP, right. um, which is a lot of letters. <laughs> but um, we're hopeful, of course, you know, we have always supported reentering TPP. We were, we were supported of it in the first place. Um, and we do hope that it materializes, but I would caution everybody to just wait and see at this point. I'm not sure if this is something that will pan out, um, and I wouldn't want to get anybody's hopes up too high and then it not happen. So something we're, of course, monitoring very closely, but uh, at at this point, I'm I'm just cautious about any (laughs) speculation. It's it's hard to get too far out on any of these because it seems to change by the tweets. Yes. Uh, You never know where we may end up, actually. You're right. Well, and so the farm bill, we've been talking, um, the House Ag Committee is planning to mark up the farm bill on Wednesday, Mm -hmm. and that could take half the morning or it could take all day, just depending on how many amendments are allowed to be offered. Uh, There are proposals to have some harmful amendments come to the farm bill with regards to crop insurance and means testing. At this point, we're still waiting to see if those amendments will come up in committee or if they will, um, the sponsors of those will hold them until they come onto the House floor. So by Wednesday, this could be a completely different bill. So you're going to be keeping an eye on what is going to be uh, offered in this. Do you know if they're going to be allowing amendments in the committee process? At this point, I'm not sure. I've heard from several different sources that they will not be allowing amendments. Of course, we won't really know until the day of. uh, But at this point, I don't believe that there will be many amendments offered. I think um, with the partisan fight that's now set up in the House of Representatives, I would say that they're going to hold amendments until there's floor time scheduled. Okay. Well, and that would be very contentious too. That's a lot. Yes. Of, a lot of the time, you want to get those amendments done during committee because uh, when it, once it gets to the floor, it's a whole lot harder to get anything uh, passed onto the bill. So mm-hmm. um, it could be a very challenging thing. Sometimes uh, the the committee decides, the chairman decides not to allow com- uh, amendments 
in committee because that's uh, the the only way to get it out of committee is right. to make sure that it stays intact. So uh, yes. that may be what we're looking at with this one. And I'm not sure if that if the fact that he won't allow amendments is, is the situation or um, the minority party has said that they will withhold all their amendments. So many are saying that the majority party will then hold their amendments mm-hmm. as well. So it's not that they're not being allowed. It's just really that they're not being offered, they're which is a little different to, situation. Yeah, definitely yeah. so. Well, it'll definitely be uh, very interesting to see what the House does. And, and then if it can get off the floor, then it will be very different over in the Senate. Yes. The the political situation in the Senate is very different from the House. Mm-hmm. They're both in challenging years politically. Um, I think that it'll be uh, – you'll see a real push from the Senate, though, to try to get something done because the um, some of the personalities involved over there just really want to get a, a bill done while they're still uh, in charge. So, sure. Uh, it'll be it'll be a, a a race to the finish to see if we can get it done before election season. Yes, over. we will be anxiously anticipating the outcome. So the farm bill isn't really the main vehicle for discussing trade policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the actual um, jurisdiction over trade agreements is not in the ag committee. It's uh, actually with Ways and Means, but uh, it the the farm bill does have a trade title in uh, as a part of it. What is in the title this time? Is there anything of note? Sure. So you're right. There, um, The House Ag Committee does have jurisdiction over the trade title of the Farm Bill, which basically talks about programs through USDA that are used to assist in international trade. So in the past Farm Bill, does that's been known as the Foreign Market Development Program and the Market Access Program, or MAP and FMD as they're generally called. Mm-hmm. This Farm Bill text actually uh, eliminates those names of those two funds and basically puts those same mission areas under one umbrella. So it creates the or the International Market Development Program, mm-hmm. which would keep that same mission of FMD and MAP, but just keep it all in one place. Um, and that's funded at about $255 million with allocations locations for each of those mission areas mm-hmm. through this farm bill text. And, and that really is intended to help um, exporters from the United States learn where to uh, export to and how to how to get through some of the governmental barriers to mm-hmm. exporting. Is that right? Yeah. And it's also used to help identify potential markets for farmers and ranchers mm-hmm. around the world. Um, looking at those areas of the world that are developing or that maybe import little to no U.S. agricultural goods and help identify ways that we might be able to get into those markets. Sure. Well, and that can be very helpful with the it's it's a very complicated bureaucratic process mm-hmm. to get stuff out of the country and into another country, especially one where you may not speak the language at right. all, might not understand the culture. And um, that's a way that you can get some assistance in, in navigating that process. Mm-hmm. You're right. Um, the One of the issues that has gotten a lot of attention over the past few years uh, since the last Farm Bill was in, was passed in 2014 was uh, the, the type of data that was used to mm-hmm. calculate some of the yeah. payments. Um, when uh, when a farm had a, a rough year uh, or had a good year, it was not always real obvious that there were that they were in sync with some of their neighbors. Um, what what are you seeing in the, this text about maybe using that RMA data? Sure, one of the Farm Bureau uh, Farm Bill priorities for this time around was to designate RMA Risk Management Agency mm-hmm. data as the primary source of data in determining yields for the Art County program. And the reason this all came about is because you know, say you have a farm in Monroe County, 
for example, and then you farm in the neighboring county as well. Well, on some of those acres, the ones in Monroe County, maybe you're getting a significant ARC payment, for example, soybeans. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the next county over, maybe you're getting a lesser payment or no payment at all. So it's really the the premise behind all of this was to address those payment discrepancies. Mm-hmm. RMA data um, is typically considered to be a little more reliable because it's not self-reported. Mm-hmm. So this farm bill would actually designate RMA as the primary data source if the RMA data for the county is sufficient to make a determination. Yeah. So only if the data is there. If it's not, then the secretary can designate another source for the data, which would typically be like the National Ag Statistics Service or mm-hmm. others. Um, but if the data is there, this this farm bill would direct RMA to be the primary source. And NAS has been the, the source it currently, has been. right, yeah. under this one. And that that is one of the issues that um, specifically that NAS data was a problem was problematic in places as some counties just didn't have much data. Uh-huh. And so you might have one county that got, you know, a really high payment and then literally right next door got zero payment. Sure. And there were some issues with that or examples of that in Iowa where the the actual climatic conditions were just exactly the same basically mm-hmm. across the road from each other. Um, and so there that's that's really the purpose is to try to make it smooth it out and make it a little more fair. Yeah. So. Um, then uh, another issue that has gotten a lot of attention is uh, the provisions requiring you to be actively engaged in farming mm-hmm. uh, in order to qualify for some of the programs. What are we seeing on that? So Missouri Farm Bureau has long been supportive of expanding the definition of actively engaged. Now, in this for in the House version of the bill, which is what we're talking about now, it does broaden the scope of actively engaged farming to include nieces, nephews, and first cousins, which we think is a huge step for farmers and ranchers we know that farming is a family business and it just makes sense to have that included in there as well. But um, I believe uh, this is my first farm bill working with Farm Bureau, but I believe that's been a controversial topic in the past. So uh, we'll have to see, you know, when the bill comes through the Senate and and goes into conference, what the ultimate outcome is. But we're pleased with the House version. Good. Well, um, that probably will be one of those issues that raises a lot of uh, criticism across the board on that. But yeah, hopefully we will be able to move that forward. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the issues that uh, we've heard from our younger members a lot is about um, the opportunity to get loans um, mm-hmm. and difficulty qualifying for them, especially with farmland values being as high as they are. The dollar amounts just get pretty wild and out of control sure. uh, to, to try to get, get your foot in the door. So uh, what are we seeing with um, the efforts to help with beginning farmers? So there are some significant changes in the credit title, Title Five of the Farm Bill, that, I, that we think would make positive changes for beginning farmers and ranchers and getting them access to that credit that they so desperately need to get started uh, in farming and ranching. Currently, to obtain some of those loans, you have to have been managing a farm or have three years of direct experience with the farming operation in management. There are some criteria put into this version of the Farm Bill that would waive some of those requirements. So, for example, Instead of three years, maybe you have two years of direct experience owning and operating a farm, but you also have a semester of agricultural-related post-secondary education. Mm -hmm. So that helps kind of offset some of those requirements because it is difficult for young people to access that credit and get involved in farming and ranching. So um, there are some criteria to bring that down to two years with some additional requirements and then also down to one year as well for those who have uh, maybe been in the military and served in a leadership 
leadership role, that sort of thing. Sure. Then uh, one of the overall kind of a rural uh, development issue, rural health issue, um, there have been some proposals to make some changes uh, to uh, to the farm bill to try to make um, health care more accessible to people mm-hmm. who live in rural areas. What are we seeing there? Yeah, so this is one of the areas of the farm bill that we kind of always talk about. You know, this part isn't necessarily about farming, but it's about rural communities. And the farm bill um, is a very integral part of helping rural communities as well. USDA has a lot of programs in rural development that really assist in rural economic development. Uh, one of the proposed changes um, and additions to this farm bill is expanding the um, rural health priorities package. So USDA makes loans to and grants to rural communities to help address health issues in the community and that sort of thing. This bill would give the secretary the authority to change the priorities of the rural health loan and grant programs uh, based on consultation with health officials to address an immediate or an immense crisis. So um, right off the top of my head, the first thing I think of is the opioid epidemic, and we've been hearing a lot about that recently. So theoretically, this provision would be able to give the secretary authority to give priority to communities who are looking to address the opioid epidemic. Okay. So that that's that's my read of the bill text at yeah, this so point. Yeah, so could get some flexibility there to to allow the secretary to right to use funds in ways that could be helpful. And it could be any health issue, health related issue. That's that's one that's been kind of in the news lately that comes to mind when sure. I think of that. But um, it it doesn't designate what issue. It just says you know immense or immediate crisis. Sure, and and there are definitely always uh, things that are coming up that um, uh, as things move and change that uh, need some flexibility and ability to address that are specific to rural areas. Mm-hmm. Um, we There's so many programs for urban and suburban areas, but not a lot that are de- dedicated to rural health. Right. So that's a good program. Well, I appreciate all your work on um, getting into all of the details of the Farm Bill and uh, hope that everything goes well as the, the House starts to vote on this. Okay. Sounds great. We'll see you next week. Sounds good. Thank you.